0: Hello again, everybody. Thank you for joining us on our second installment of the Rust Belt Rundown. My name is Nick Fopiano, and I'm joined here today by Jamie Carl, the Communications Director at the Ohio Manufacturers Association. Carl, or
1: Jamie? (laughs) Yeah, the guy with two first names. Yeah, right. (laughs) Nick, it's a pleasure to be on. I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of, of Rust Belt Recruiting and all the work your company does to promote the manufacturing sector and Feed, uh, Ohio's workforce pipeline. got to tell you also that the, the service you're offering Ohio manufacturers is truly more valuable than ever. Uh, as you noted, I'm the managing director of communication services for the Ohio Manufacturers Association and I've been in this role since April of last year. Now um, prior to joining the OMA, I spent 12 years as Vice President of Public Affairs for the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And that group does serve as the Manufacturing Association for the state of Nebraska. Uh, Before that, I spent six years on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where I worked as a legislative aide in both the U.S. House and Senate. I hold a journalism degree from the University of Nebraska, and I also served as an enlisted infantry soldier in the Army following college. Uh, Just a little background, I grew up in a a very small town in Nebraska outside of Lincoln, population 610, don't forget, don't forget those extra 10. Uh, Was was just a dumb uh, high school jock who played three sports and and decided uh, he could write fairly well, so that's why I pursued a a journalism degree. My dad worked for uh, a major grain miller and food processor as an industrial maintenance guy for 44 years. So I've always cared about manufacturing and its mission. Um, When I learned of the opportunity of a communications opening at the OMA, I I jumped at it. It it was a chance to work in the nation's third largest manufacturing state and we all know Ohio has a very proud history of industry and innovation and uh, couldn't be happier to be here. Right, perfect. Um, now, it's, it's interesting how you say that. Um, I
0: myself as well, you know, I figured this out on our initial phone call. Um, I started with a background in journalism as well. I was the editor-in-chief for my uh, high school's newspaper, won several national awards. But interestingly enough, I actually did a transition to marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, I originally began in agencies, uh, up in Chicago and, uh, then I actually transitioned to government and that was kind of my, uh, bridge, if you will, into doing marketing stuff with the trades. Um, and I've been doing that for what the past two years and, um, yeah, so not only did we start the same way, I remember that we also talked about that you've had a sort of similar path. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. So I, I graduated <laughs> with my college degree in, uh, from, in journalism back in 1996. But I'll tell you what, uh, the world wasn't so much different. uh, 25 years ago. Even back then, uh, journalism and the realm of communications was changing very rapidly. Mm -hmm. I actually remember taking uh, photojournalism and going into uh, the dark rooms to develop film and thinking, this is a joke. We'll never use this again uh, because digital cameras were already available. Newspapers were cutting staff. Uh, The whole world uh, in communication was going digital in the mid to late 90s. So my first job offer my senior year of college was for $17,000 at a weekly newspaper. I remember thinking, huh, I went to college for this. Um, so actually I opted uh, to, for the chance to serve my country in uniform, enlisted in the army. Uh, and, and that was just a two year, four month enlistment because I had a degree already, went combat arms and then had the opportunity to work on Capitol Hill. And that's where I really got a, what I consider a real world education. A takeaway from my time and my days in Washington, DC was the challenges that government can impose on producers, entrepreneurs, and job creators. It really opened my eyes to the fact that government doesn't act as a partner. Oftentimes, it, it oftentimes acts as, as a hurdle. So uh, the, the chance to work at the Nebraska uh, Chamber of Commerce and Industry came up and that's where I, I really understood the importance of advocating for manufacturing at the poli- you know, in, in both terms of policy and information. And uh, I also realized that it was incumbent upon me as a staff member at the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce and Industry to inform policymakers at both the state level and federal level uh, as well as the public about the role that manufacturers play in adding value, creating jobs, and boosting national security. I realize I, I don't, Nick, I don't have the knowledge or ex- expertise to tell a manufacturer how to run his or her facility. Um, Me almost, neither. <laughs> I'm almost useless in that capacity, okay? But I do have the experience and knowledge of public policy issues to keep them informed about the latest legislation, regulations and developments that are going to impact their business. And so so that's, my, that's where I fit in.
0: You know, that is very important in our jobs as well, because, you know, that impacts us and our job duties as much as anybody on the floor, on, on a manufacturing floor, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But as our viewers can probably tell, this conversation will be about communication and marketing trends in the trade industry. Uh, we're seeing a lot of changes. Um, but I first want to point out, for our listeners that marketing and communications are different, but do serve uh, some similar functions. You know, we both utilize each other at our core um, in reaching our audiences uh, and doing it in the most effective way possible. Um, Jamie, just to, just to give me and a little bit of our viewers some insight, what are you, what's your job scope at the OMA?
1: Yep. In a nutshell, I uh, oversee the communication strategies for the OMA and about, uh, we, we have about 1,500 members statewide. So, so my, my most basic job function is how do we provide the information services to those 1,500 plus members. Uh, and this includes email updates, uh, a weekly newsletter, we call it the leadership briefing, uh, social media content, News releases, editorials, guidance documents, all that. Uh, we also put out this awesome publication, and I hope everyone who's listening to this checks it out. It's called Ohio Manufacturing Counts. It's an annual look at uh, how important manufacturing is in the state of Ohio, everything from number of jobs to uh, sectors most represented, economic development projects. I, I can share the link with you, Nick, after this, and then you can. Of course spread that around. Um, I also manage the content on, on our website at uh, ohiomfg.com, as well as the content on makingohio.com. That's a, a kind of a, a subsector of the OMA and it's an initiative dedicated to promoting manufacturing careers. And then finally, I help manage the OMA's associate membership program and, and help again with the Making Ohio campaign. Okay, so
0: yeah, from from a uh, From an overview we do some very similar things like social media website updating email content um, it's actually interesting just taking this role uh, I actually have a Texas background so you mm-hmm. know down here we primarily do all fields uh, electricians welders you know stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh, Facebook and in person stuff was actually our uh, main get to to our uh to our people that we're trying to reach um and and it's really interesting here in ohio email is something that i was not sure about using but after doing some more research and stuff talking to you previously it um it actually seems very
1: beneficial to get
0: into now
1: it's the the original social media never forget that as a, as a child of the 90s, uh, I, I guess, or even 80s, um, I, can, I can tell you, and having watched uh, the, the use of email grow from its, its inception, I can honestly tell you it is the original social media.
0: Yeah. So let's get into plugging OMF or Ohio Manufacturers Association towards the end. Let's go ahead and jump into the conversation. Uh, Now, what we do for our organizations are different, but we utilize each other's fields, as I've already said, uh, in our day-to-day. I know when I make podcasts, uh, copywriting, uh, a bunch of other stuff, you know, I am utilizing communications. This is a communications tool. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you use marketing in your day-to-day at all? Is it reaching people? Is it?
1: Well, we'll back up just a step. And, and first of all, as, as a communicator, my job is to, um, to keep our members abreast of, of what we're doing on different levels, okay? So, in, in, uh, look, the, the OMA is a 110-year-old trade association, and our mission is very simple, and that is protect and grow Ohio manufacturing. And we do that in three basic ways. We, we do it through advocacy services. Some people call it lobbying, but bottom line is we engage state lawmakers, uh, we engage the governor, we engage his staff, we engage different state agencies, and we engage the courts, all to represent the concerns of, of Ohio manufacturers. Number two, we are working more and more on workforce solutions. That has become a bigger and bigger priority. And I don't think the COVID-19 pandemic is going to really um, take away from those efforts because at the bottom line is, it's always been about skilled workforce when it comes to manufacturers, right? It's not just boxes; right, it's, right. it's, it's skilled workforce. So we've, we've put a lot of time and a lot of effort in the last three to four years on, on building workforce solutions. And then finally, uh, we have the communications and information piece. But um, so, so knowing that a, a big part of my job is to let our members know what we're doing in in the areas that matter to them, I have to find various ways to reach them. The people opening are, are we, so we, we have, two main forms of email communications that are sent daily and weekly. We do news clips every morning, every single morning. We have about 300 members out of, out of 1,500 that actually receive those news clips. Not a huge amount, but we have almost 50 right. open rate on on the people who are getting those news clips. They want to know what took place overnight and over the last 24 hours. And these are all Ohio news sources. So and some national news sources. So it's it's easy click and they can they can open up, uh, open up the news of the day. We also offer a weekly briefing. And that weekly briefing instead of more on current events is focused on policy developments. Our staff actually writes that. I write it, um, our, our lobbyists write that. And so, um, that, that's more, a little more OMA centric. Okay. And right. so th- those are our two, what I consider traditional sources of, of, uh, communication. Now, mind you, those are emails, but I've also really focused a lot on expanding our, our, Influence into the social media realm. When I when I took over at the oma for communication services uh, back in April of 2019, we had only Twitter active, and we had about 1,200 followers on Twitter. In 14 months, we've been able to to ramp that up about uh, 333%. We now wow. have over 54, 5500 followers on LinkedIn, which has 2,500 alone uh, Facebook, which is very active as well. And then, and then the, the Twitter account. Okay. So we've got three, three venues on social media. And when okay. I, when I put stuff out on social media, it's very different than what I'm sending out by, by email to our members. Uh, the stuff on, on social media is truly more about promoting not only the OMA, but the manufacturing community and all it does for the state of o- Ohio and its economy.
0: Right. And, you know, I will have to agree. Um, email and social media marketing do have some very dis- distinctive functionality here. Um, one thing that I will comment on uh, with both of our email efforts is that uh, keeping a contact with your members, whether it's your placements, your clientele, or, or your members, um, that contact is very crucial to creating a strong bond between you and the people that you're working with and Mm -hmm. social media is a great way to garner attention to that and and drive people in am am i correct in saying that with you i've
1: always been a believer of that if you're going to take the time to to compose content to do the research and then publish it somewhere take the time to let people know through social media that it's out there and um yeah so so that's that's a, a i think a basic concept everyone has to follow
0: See, I, I do find that interesting because social media generally, if you're not paying to boost stuff is a free service to, to reach your followers. And what seems interesting to me is that over the past two years, I've noticed that, uh, people in the trades, companies in the trades are slowly getting into Facebook and it's slowly developing, um, Maybe your organization, your organization seems to be developing faster on um, those social platforms with your exponential growth over the fat, past few years.
1: Um, but and it's some, all about content, Nick. It truly right. really is. It, I'm going to probably piss off some of the email <laughs> marketers and, and uh, uh, the specialists out there who will teach courses on the use of hashtags and tagging. Right. I, I followed that for a little bit. And then I realized it didn't matter if I did that or not. If my content was not worth reading on social, it didn't get clicks. It didn't get forwards. It didn't get retweets. It didn't get likes. right. It, it it simply, it didn't draw comments. So it's all about content and, and is it worthwhile? Is it worthwhile to your reader? Whether they're a member or not of the OMA I I try to make sure that what I'm putting out there is truly valuable to the reader.
0: You know that's very that's very accurate with what you're saying. I mean in, in my experience, yes, hashtags get reach, but if the content isn't if it's drab, it's not going to garner those secondary action clicks and that's very important in our industry, whether it's getting in touch with us, giving us a follow, uh, leading to those uh, further further relationships with whoever is. Uh, coming in through these channels, it's very important that the content has to be worthwhile.
1: Now, yes, and I did come on board to the OME right at the same time that uh, the organization was delving for the first time ever into paid socials. And so, while that has probably paid uh, helped us boost our our followers a little bit. There is a big difference between organic postings and paid postings as far as quality of readers and quality of followers. Yeah. I, um, I will have
0: to agree. Like, you know, what's the. I, I've never been. A, I'm going to clarify for everybody listening. I've never been a fan of paid postings. If I can avoid it, I will. Um, you know, because it doesn't. There is, as you said, a very clear definition uh, between organic and and paid content it's it doesn't work as well as earning it you know
1: you it's can't just very buy very selective i mean when's the last time you've bought something or purchased something from a, a, a paid social media ad i finally Two years. For the first time ever clicked on a paid social media ad because something they were uh I think it was hand sanitizer back in the uh, the shortage days, Um, I I actually clicked on an ad to take a look. But that was the first time ever that I had taken time to click on an ad under something I saw, quote, promoted.
0: Right. And
1: going along with
0: content, I kind of remember us talking about this in one of our previous phone calls. Um, One trend that I've seen in in my realm of marketing, you know, once again, our viewers, it's two completely different things. Uh, My realm in marketing, I have seen a trend where less is more. A picture speaks a thousand words. You know, graphics Mm -hmm. are very eye-catching. And viewers don't want to read a giant thing. You know, uh, do you see the same? If you have, how do you, how do you how have you adjusted? You know, how do you go about sending out newsletters that is content driven yeah. um, and still keeping it attractive?
1: So I think one of them, if you, if you had to rank my duties at the OMA or responsibilities in order, number one or number two would have to be taking the complex and making it easy to understand, easy to digest and one way we do that, so in our newsletters, which don't get as many clicks as our COVID updates, for example, don't get as many, we're, we're at about 900 to 1,000 clicks on our leadership briefing, our weekly newsletter, uh, versus 15 or 1,600 opens on our COVID updates because the style is very different. The COVID, the COVID updates are bullet pointed, boom, 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 with a link. The uh, the leadership briefing is two or three paragraphs. It takes a little more discipline. It takes a little more, frankly, engagement to to uh, go through our weekly newsletter, and that's because we have we. It's incumbent upon us to explain it. It just doesn't link to a to an article that's online. So um, right. Say, saying that, uh, I will tell you that that. Uh, the key in both those documents, however, is to make it as short as possible, to filter out all the unnecessary, and then leave it upon the uh, put it on the the reader's shoulders if he or she wants to click a link and find out more. I I liberally use embedded links in all my in all my communications.
0: Right, because if somebody's interested, they're going to click on the link. You know,
1: yep.
0: uh, well, kind I'm, of the bait and catch. Using those you know? two
1: documents as comparisons. It's right. very interesting to see that the bullet pointed one line one-line uh, sentence on what happened today with the link gets, at, gets twice as many opens and twice as many clicks as the document that only has one or two paragraphs, but people right. don't even want to read that in this day and age of short attention spans.
0: I mean, I have ADHD. I don't blame them. But are you changing what you're doing with these newsletter things based on... The, the data you're seeing with uh, the COVID-19 updates?
1: Well, the, the, you know, the COVID updates are a fairly new invention of ours. Um, right. I think I did my very first one back in mid, mid-March, okay? If you go to our, our website, uh, again, that's ohiomfg.com, and right at the top there, at the banner, there is a, a link to our our COVID-19 resources page, you can literally read every, every uh, COVID-19 update that we've put out. We're down to doing it twice a week. We don't want to kill people's inboxes. Um, But have I noticed any, or or have, are we going to plan maybe a different tactic in our more traditional communications? Not yet. Right. Um, Because I think the the, I'll bet you the 900 or 1,000 people who open up our, our weekly newsletters are the same uh, readers. We don't want to turn them off. Uh, right. No reason to fix what isn't broken in their minds. Exactly. If it ain't we broke, don't, don't fix it. That's right. And we also take the time to segment our, our topics in our leadership briefing. We have you know, human resources, we have energy, we have environment. We have uh, safety and workers' comp. We have workforce. So things are already um, um, segregated into different categories. So if you're not interested in HR, you don't have to read HR. You can scroll right down to workforce. Right.
0: Now, this is also, this kind of topic that we just jumped in on is pretty interesting. Um, I've been leaning towards more the school of thought less marketing for COVID-19 is, is better. Um, But you guys are jumping straight into it and giving updates. Uh, My train of thought is, you know, people already see enough of it on ABC, NBC, Fox, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't need to cram their social media feeds um, with, with more and more stuff about it. But there is also a benefit to, 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 um, giving industry specific news, if you will. Um, what kind of drove you to say, okay, yes, we need to give updates. What, what was the, what was your train of thought? What was, you know, your boss's train of thought? What was the organization's train of thought on
1: that? Uh, What drove us to the daily updates was literally the dozens, if not hundreds of phone calls and emails we were getting from members on, what do we do? Whether it was workplace safety, uh, whether it was, um, you know, a paid leave, whether it was the financing programs that are being made available through the SBA, it was questions from members, and we needed to be proactive in giving that, them that information. Now, I'll tell you, Nick, we have really two strategies when it comes to socials and when it comes to the emails. When As it I should do, be. Yeah, when I do the, the, the posts on OMA socials, it's uh, during the COVID crisis, it's almost been completely uh, focused on what I call quote, good news stories. That is stories about uh, manufacturers in Ohio who have pivoted to produce PPE, uh, protective gear, or, or have donated things like hand sanitizer or PPE um, to healthcare workers and first right. responders. So these are the stories that while they're out there, they're not the front page stuff. They're, they're the stuff that frankly gets overshadowed by the doom and gloom. So these these I think these stories have played a large part in that uh, 333% boost in followers on our socials, okay? Because people want to read good news. That's what, you know, this whole, uh, I don't know. I I think social have been in many ways has been a failure. Uh, There's nothing social about people arguing politically or making threats online. Um, Social media needs to be just that. It needs to be social and telling good news stories about um, how, how manufacturers are responding to this pandemic is is indeed, I think, one of the best uses of of that technology.
0: As now, you, know, oh, sorry, when,
1: continue. When it, when it comes to our email, um, you're right. I can go out and and Google COVID nineteen and and find a million news uh, stories just from today on on the pandemic, right? So what we've done is. Um, just kind of like the leadership briefing, we've broken the email into segments. I have We always lead off with um, OMA activities, if there are any, then we go right into state activities because that's our, that's our wheelhouse. Right. So I, I, I kind of summarize the governor's briefings so people don't have to watch an hour and 15 minutes of, of Governor DeWine talking, not that it's not interesting, but they don't have time to, to sit and, and take an hour and 15 minutes out of their day. And right. so I'll summarize the, the key takeaways from that, uh, any big developments from the state agencies or if there was a, a, something that happened at the State House, I'll summarize that. Then on the federal side, I have focused on things like CDC updates, okay? Not not what's being reported necessarily by the Wall Street Journal or New York Times. I'm, I'm talking, or, or even the Ohio newspapers, I'm talking uh, things that, are pertinent to my manufacturing facility. Do I have to wear masks? What's the best guidance on masks? What's the best guidance on sanitizing surfaces? Um, And and these are the things we've tried to put um, right into the inboxes of our members. Right. And that's why why it's getting uh, open rates of between 33 and 39% based on the day.
0: By the way, to our viewers that don't know anything about email marketing, thirty-three to thirty-nine percent is incredible. Uh, uh, But going back to social media, really quick. All I wanted to tack on to that, you know, we both know from our journalism experience, um, puppy, puppy, and kitty stories sell. You know, you know, if you see a puppy dog or, you know, stuff like that, that that sells. That that gets viewers. There's also another thing to be bagged from COVID nineteen and manufacturing. Uh, This is coming from more of my side of the industry where I've seen a large shift from sales promotions to more of a PR focus uh, within things like uh, promoting for COVID-19, you know, more of like the safety stuff within the trades, stuff like that. And, And most PR messages that I'm seeing now focus along the lines of, Stick with us as a business to win the recovery, as as a message. Now, I, this is actually really interesting. Um, I, I think this is interesting because PR is being used as a sales tool, uh, something that I'm really unfamiliar with and frankly shocked to see. PR itself is not profit-motivating conventionally, uh, much like your email updates about board meetings are not inherently – uh, uses a direct sales tool. But in this time, we're starting to see things like that kind of content become one. Um, like I was saying, PR's focus is on improving brand image to indirectly influence sales. Um, now, in this time that we're living in, I've been seeing that companies are using it to directly increase sales. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this, Jamie, as in, as in, how do you see your job changing in that respect, if at all in communications?
1: Well, it doesn't change too much because, um, having worked for, you know, business organizations now for 14 years, 15 years of my life, uh, we're always in the PR business. Um, we're, we if we're not, uh, doing PR exercises with lawmakers, we're, we're, we're certainly doing it with the public saying, hey, you need to stand up for the business community, or in our case, in the OMA's case, you need to stand up for the manufacturing community, and here's why. Um, right. So so from my perspective, um, you know, this, this hasn't changed uh, things a lot. What it maybe has done is given the OMA more visibility with the public. Okay, because now they're like, huh, I saw that the old May, who maybe I didn't even hear about three, I didn't even know of three months ago. They're the they're the folks who are telling us about all the good that's taking place in Ohio manufacturing and within our industrial base. And and they're the ones letting us know, um, you know, that that our manufacturers are making PPE or making hand sanitizer. And so I'm going to go to their their. Twitter feed, or I'm going to go to their LinkedIn feed and, or Facebook feed, and I'm going to find out what happened today, where that that connection with the general public may have not existed three or four months ago.
0: Right. So that has been a change is going purely informative within communications in your organization to like a secondary like a secondary motivation for people to sign on and become subscribers. Is that yeah, a but, fair but assumption? That-
1: and that gives us more sway with, with the policymakers we try to influence, right? So if, if uh, we make a switch from all these good news stories to, hey, did you see the bad, the, the harmful language that was inserted into the business immunity bill uh, uh, this past month? And why did lawmakers do that when it hurts Ohio's manufacturers? And the general public will say, yeah, why did they do that? I'm going to call my state senator. I'm going to call my state representative and get them, tell them to back off, do what's right for the, for the manufacturing community. So it it plays hand in hand.
0: So your position in uh, communications with the OMA has changed from informative to, to more of a PR stance where it's like changing people's minds and Getting get, garnering more attention to your cause, you know, directly influencing people to subscribe to your newsletters and stay informed on topics that they care about. Is that a mm-hmm. fair
1: assumption? Fair assumption in the, in the realm of social media. In our, our email communications, remain very much focused on, on information, obviously, because we're talking to people who are already members. Um, in the in the social media realm, yeah, we have focused much on on public relations. But the truth is, M- Nick, we always have. Uh, that that's when you work for a business association, um, that's that's kind of your job. That's your function. Um, right. And, and so the bottom line is, when it comes to letting uh, the general public, the Ohio public, know about all the good work that our manufacturers are doing across the state to produce PPE or to uh, produce hand sanitizer or donate these supplies, Uh, there will come a point in time where we pivot and focus more on policy again. And now we've got this this broader audience, people who decided to engage the OMA uh, or engage the OMA social media and follow the, the, the social media messages that we're putting out And we can uh, more easily convince them about the the need to produce a manufacturing-friendly climate here in Ohio. Right.
0: Now, I got a question. Do you guys use Instagram at all over at the OMA?
1: I have, I guess, behind the scenes lobbied for us to go there, but we haven't made the decision to pull the trigger just yet. Uh, Right. And and, and there's there's a big reason for that. Uh, The big reason is still the bulk of our content is mostly text, right? Facts and and figures, not necessarily um, graphic driven. Right. And, you
0: know, that's actually really interesting because not a lot of people in manufacturing, no matter what side of it they're on, whether they're advocates or companies or, or staffing, it, it doesn't matter. Not a lot of people in the trades even have made that transition to Instagram. But um, I actually have found some success with it. Um, mm-hmm. It is very good as a PR tool if you can convey that message uh, concisely. Um, and people like being mentioned, credited, and,
1: and Instagram is a perfect tool for that. Um, I am, I'm a big advocate, so I explained a little bit about the Making Ohio campaign or initiative, and that right. is to open eyes, uh, especially amongst young people, about the tremendous and well-paying opportunities in Ohio manufacturing, and I'm I'm trying to P- apply a lot of pressure on our partners to, uh, you know, go along with the idea of an Instagram account, because I think it's not only important to reach young people, I think it's very important to reach their parents, especially their moms. Uh, right. Do, do, you know, does the average mom out there raising a teenager right now, who may not be completely sold on on their son or daughter going into manufacturing. Do they realize that there are over, well, before COVID-19 struck, there were over 700,000 jobs for Ohio workers in manufacturing. Do they realize that the, you know, the average pay is well over $60,000 a year. Do they realize that there's an annual payroll of $43 billion in Ohio manufacturing without, without reaching those people. And Instagram is a great platform to do it. If we can't reach the parents, mom and, and, and dad, we're not going to be able to necessarily reach their kids.
0: Now that's actually really interesting because that's an effort that I tried to embark on when I first started it, because, you know, uh, manufacturing is, or the trades in general, not just manufacturing is a, how do I say this politically correct? An aging industry. Um, There is not a lot of young recruitment straight out of high school, straight out of uh, trade schools. And so one of the initiatives I uh, embarked on in my last uh, employer, I um, went to our local schools, uh, to local school districts that had uh, like welding shop class, like shop classes. And I advocated not for kids to join it, but I advocated for kids to just take the class and try it. If you you like it, don't sink yourself in hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. Um, Go to a trade school become a master. And by the end of your career, you can potentially even be making six figures. Yep. Uh, and, and that, that seemed to resonate with a lot of people, but you know, multimedia works the best in any, in any communications PR marketing multimedia works. And, and so if you can attack that in person, if you can attack it over email and on social media, it's the best success.
1: And there is a big difference in how we communicate with, uh, you know, our audiences. If they're mom and dad, yeah, the facts and figures I recited are going to maybe open their eyes. If I'm talking to a 16-year-old, i got to tug at the heartstrings, right? Or I've got to make them excited about it. And my facts and figures aren't going to do it. Uh, (laughs) a, A video with a testimonial of someone who's maybe only five years older than them, talking about making 60 or $70,000 a year, that might do it. Right. So so they need to hear from their peers who are maybe just a little bit older and who aren't facing $100,000 in college loans, but have made a great life for themselves and taken no or very little college uh, loan debt to do it. Right, and so, you know, this
0: conversation has to end at some point, because I guarantee you and the audience, we could go on about this for for hours. Uh, do you have any final words for companies out there uh, struggling to make sense of uh, communicating with their audience these days uh, in this new time that we're in, or just struggling to kind of make that leap into social media and these progressive um, forms of communicating with people. Do you have any advice that you want to give?
1: Yeah, and it's very basic. Think think of your audience first. Think about what they want to know, what they need to know, not necessarily what you want to tell. Uh, Don't make it about yourself, make it about them.
0: Perfectly stated. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today on our second episode of the new podcast series, Rust Belt Rundown. Uh, Once again, this is a new initiative for Rust Belt Recruiting, and we'd love to hear your feedback as always. uh, We will have a new podcast every two weeks, so stay tuned for our production uh, featuring industry updates, commentary, and business advice. Make sure to follow us through uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching Rust Belt Recruiting, and you will find us. Visit RustBeltRecruiting.com to learn more about our cause and find the Rust Belt Rundown in writing as well as any other articles we have published. Thank you for talking with, you, uh, with me, Jamie. Would you Do you want to plug uh, the uh, OMA, the, uh,
1: the other organization you're working for here? Sure. Make sure you visit OhioMFG.com and do check out our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I had a pleasure. Uh, Take it easy, you guys.